This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. With the Baker's Plus card, it's easy to get lower than low prices. For the win, earn fuel points on every purchase and save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump. The Baker's Plus card. All you do is win. Big, big savings. Sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Chris Sinzak and Aaron Camaro. Oh boy, man, it feels good to be back. Yes, we are. It's time right now for the Decibel Geek Podcast. My name is Aaron Camaro, and I'm always joined by my awesome friend, kick-ass co-host, Chris Sinzak. Happy Thanksgiving to you, my friend. Same to you. I uh, hope you had a good holiday. Yeah, we, you know, we took a little bit of a break, you know, to enjoy Thanksgiving. We had some stuff going on in our lives, you know, and you had Thanksgiving far from home, but you were with family. Yeah, I went to visit our son out in Texas. He's stationed at Fort Hood, and so I got to hang out with his wife and kid, and it was uh, it was a good time. And then uh, a nice 13-hour drive home in the rain. <laughs> a long day. A long road to Texas. Me, I stayed right here at the house and had all my family come to me. <laughs> you had it better than I did. <laughs> That's the way to do it. But great times, you know. It's, it's always good to get together with family and friends and, you know, just a, it's the one time a year that it really stands out is the end of the year where everybody's talking about, you know, the holiday seasons and it really kicks off with Thanksgiving and, you know, everybody's got so much to be thankful for. We've got so much to be thankful for, you know, all these years of doing this show and all the friends that we've made throughout the years doing it and, you know, for cool stuff coming in the future as well, you know, rock and pod coming up right around the corner. And I can tell you, it's not that far away. We are officially in a rock and pod season. You know how I know that? How's that? It's for when we got to stop recording so you can take a call from one of the guests. <laughs> That's true. That just happened. And, and rock and I, pod season. <laughs> and, and I got the guest confirmed, too. Nice. All right. So in case you guys don't know, I'm sure you do know by now if you are a regular listener of this show. If not, hey, we're throwing one hell of a party. Coming up in Nashville, Tennessee, on the weekend of March 18th. We're talking about the 17th, 18th, and 19th. We're talking about rock and pod. This is a party for rock and rollers. If that's what you are, then you need to be here with us for that. We're going to bring rock stars into town. 
They're going to hang out. They're going to meet you. They're going to talk to you. They're going to get your picture taken with you. You're going to get autographs. You're going to get to see them be interviewed up on stage in front of a live studio audience in a lot of cases because not only do we bring in the rock stars, we also bring in the stars of rock podcasting. So we take these guys, we put them together. We'll put them up on the stage, let you guys hang out and watch a live interview happen in front of your very eyes. With your favorite rock stars being performed and delivered by your favorite podcasters. Plus, they're going to be set up all day long. You can wander on in and catch them doing their thing. If you talk to them nice, you might even get on their show. You never know. I've seen it happen before. It's beautiful. Not only all that, we got the best rock and roll vendors in North America all converging on Music City. They're leaving all the country, all the rap, all the R&B, all that stuff. They're leaving it home because they know when they come to Rock and Pod, the only goods that are going to move is the rock and roll stuff. So they dig deep into their collections to bring out the best for Rock and Pod, you're going to find stuff at Rock and Pod you're not going to find anywhere else while you're hanging out with your favorite rock stars, while you're seeing how it's done by your favorite podcasters. All this goes on in one place. And you know what? We were just talking about it on VIP that found out about my awesome jackal hunt <laughs> coming to conclusion. I was at the Tennessee State Fairgrounds this weekend. I was in that building that Rock and Pod is going to be in. It's nice, and it's big. It's so big. There's going to be so much room and so much stuff. I'm excited. I'm so excited. I actually was having a conference call earlier today about the the layout and trying to get the traffic flow right and uh, where everybody's going to go, and, yeah, uh, there's a whole whole lot to put together with this thing. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I can't wait. So if you don't know about it, now you do. If you want to come, simple as this. Go to rockandpod.com for all the details. All the guests that have been announced so far are there. You're going to find them all. We've got some great ones already, and I know Chris is working on even more, so you want to keep checking back on that. If you're on the Facebook, man, follow Rockinpod 2023 so that you get the updates instantaneously. As soon as the next guest is announced, you know about it. We've announced a bunch already, so I got to know. Got anybody new you can tell us about this week? Well, I guess I can announce the one I just confirmed (laughs) since I did it like 10 minutes ago. Nice. Uh, On the spot. (laughs) uh, Comedian Craig Gass is going to be joining us again uh, this time. One of the most naturally funny individuals I've ever had a chance to ever be around. Just makes you smile. You love him when he's up on stage. Makes me laugh. Tells different jokes every time. I love it. It's great. And if you're a Kiss fan, you know, he's a Kiss fan yep. and grew up a Kiss fan. And you know the whole story with Craig Gass and Gene Simmons on the Howard Stern Show. And if you don't, look that shit up. It's a, it's wild. I love it when he tells that story. Like, if he came and just – he could just tell that story. If that was like a podcast or a TV show episode, I'd watch that over and over again because it's so funny, just especially the way he tells it. It just it makes me almost pee my pants every time. Well, I was, you know, he's done two rockin' pods so far, and I was talking to him on the phone, and I was like, you know, it's funny you've done two rockin' pods, but you've never done Decibel Geek, so uh, you can expect a, a Craig Gas appearance on Decibel Geek in the near future. Well, that will be awesome. I am looking forward to that. See, what was I just saying? So much to be thankful for. Oh, it yeah. just keeps on hitting. 
you got to love life. <laughs> yeah. So cool. Excited to have Craig, Ga- Craig Gass coming back. Uh, obviously the greatest Gene Simmons impersonation of all time. And uh, there will be another Kiss-related movie screening next year. That's all I'm going to say so far. Oh, nice. That was awesome last year. <laughs> I laughed my ass off at that, too. Yep. They make you pay a deposit at the theater before you go in so you don't pee in your chair. You laugh so damn hard. It was a lot of fun. I think we're going to top it with this next one. Oh, sweet. I can't wait. So, like I said, go check it out. Rockinpod.com is where the information to get yourself into the greatest rock and roll party of 2023. We're starting in March. We're daring anybody to top us after that. You got a whole year to do it. Good luck. Yep. Because... Got some cool stuff coming. Chris is a professional at this point of putting this party together because he's done a bunch of them in the past. Every year has been a little bit better than the year before. The first one was amazing. So, I mean, it's hard to climb from that, but from humble beginnings in a strip mall, (laughs) which was still an amazing time. It was. To all the years climbing up to this big old building at the fairgrounds, it's, it's a cool thing to see the growth of Rock and Pod over the years. And like I said... If the past tells anything about the future, every single one has been better than the one before. So what's that tell you 2023 is going to be like? Well, and I, mm-hmm. I do, you know, it's not just me. There's a whole team of people that help out with uh, with this thing every year, including the greatest MC of all time, Aaron Camaro. Yeah. And uh, I do want to give out a shout out to Victor Ruiz, who a VMR uh, IT who did an amazing job overhauling the Rock and Pod website? So it's it's beautiful on desktop, it's beautiful on your iPhone, it's beautiful on Android. So uh, thanks, Victor, for all your hard work, and uh, you kicked you kicked ass on this one. Yeah, you did. It is awesome. I love it. Don't believe us? Rockandpod.com. Check it out for yourself. You'll see what we're talking about. And then, cool, thanks to everybody else that's helping, Chris. I know you got the whole team together. Everybody's excited about it. It's coming up sooner than you think. Don't let it creep up on you. Get your tickets now and figure out where you're going to stay and all that good stuff. All my favorite people are coming to town the weekend of March 18th. I want you to come party with us, too. It's going to be a blast. Not only that, Keel Fest. Yep. Two. Yep. Keel Fest 2 will be uh, the night of Rock and Pot Expo. It'll be the kind of the official after party. And uh, Ron Keel Band, Keel, uh, the fifth, Crashing Wayward, a Steeler reunion with Rick Fox. Uh, it, it's going to be a hell of a show. Yeah, totally cool. I don't know how that's going to, that's going to make for one long day of rock and roll, but with all my friends around me rocking right along, I think we're going to be just fine. Well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to buy in and supply a bunch of cocaine for everybody so we can all get to <laughs> Rock and roll, right? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how Ron Keel's going to feel about his Keel Fest being sponsored by cocaine with a K. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'll be Kiss's next marketing move. Kiss right? cocaine with a K. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you know, fans, we've told you all these years drugs are bad, but now <laughs> drugs are good because <laughs> we're selling them to you. <laughs> 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 
not Ron Keel approved people. Yeah, no, Ron Keel has nothing to do with what we just said. He, he would not approve of any of that. <laughs> Snort it out loud. But he will approve of kicking your ass on stage all night long. I was thinking about that. I think about that Steelers going to be on stage, right? Awesome yep. band. You got to get keel up on stage the old school guys with them yep. that's cool too and then you get the ron keel band you know what all three of these bands have in common ron fucking keel yeah that means he's gonna be up there all night long he's opening act he's the middle act and he's the headliner yep well we've got the fifth and crashing right wayward opening the show so that they'll have a little bit of a break at the beginning but yeah after that it's gonna be all ron all the time Man, that's amazing. The stamina and the testicular fortitude it must take to pull that off. You can see it in person. Come to Nashville. Party with us the weekend of March 18th. Tickets available now, rockandpod.com. If you can't tell, we want you to come have fun with us in rock and roll. Prove to Nashville. There's a whole lot more going on here than just country. Yeah. I want to see the biggest Decibel Geek podcast listener contingent we've ever had. Yeah. Yeah, so if you've never met us, you got to come meet us for the first time. And if you have met us, then you love us and you want to come see us. Makes perfect sense. Right. All right, let's get this thing going. It's been too long, and now we're back. And it's time for some reviews and recommendations. You know we love them. We can't get enough of them. When it comes to doing this show, I mean, we get a lot of satisfaction from it, from the art of creating. We do. We get a lot of satisfaction from that, but it doesn't compare to the satisfaction we get of knowing that you guys love the show so much. And what's the perfect way to show us how much you love the show? Well, it's easy. It's a review or recommendation. Please leave us one because we don't have any. (laughs) It is the truth. But you know who still loves us? Pantheon Podcasts, because they're bringing you the Decibel Geek Podcast every single week for free. (laughs) Leave us a review so we can impress Pantheon so they look at us as a worthy investment that they've put in their time and love into. Yes. Please. (laughs) You're making us look like losers in front of Pantheon, and we don't like it. (laughs) That's true. That's all right, because you know who else loves us? The people that took the last episode we did a couple of weeks ago. (laughs) Oh, maybe it's not been quite that long. They always love us. Somebody wants to take the time to share or retweet the new episode when it comes out, when the announcement's on Facebook or on Twitter. You do that. We love you for it. We're going to name you an honorary geek of the week. Geeks of the week this week are Adam Cox, Rockin' Ron Runyon, Simon Cat, David Glenn, Mark Starsky, Craig Turdich, Warren Edward LaRue Baker, Aaron Baker, Shay Hargett, Todd Cunningham, Shay Aber, Shane Aber, Mike Parnell, Mar- Brian Knapp, San- Samuel Owetz, God, ugh. Nate Atchison, <laughs> Keith Rockford, Pantheon Podcast, Jeffrey Mendenhall, Kristen Schimbeck, Mark Alden Taylor, Freeform Rock Podcast, Mark and Jerry BS Sessions, David Cathy, It's Always Miller Time, Jay Shabluski, Hakon Bergstad, Ernesto Aguiar, Alan Deshaun, Eladio, Vet Halen, Whiting Guitar Works, Focus on Metal, Will Honeycutt, Joseph Capone, Victor Ruiz, Scott Crouch, and as always, the Mooger Fooger. Oh, shit, dude. We nailed that one. That was on the money. Mooger Fooger's going to love that. <laughs> Those are our people, our very favorites. It's simple. You want to hear your name read right on the show? 
along with these honorary fine folks. You can do that. Find it when we release this episode. You'll see it on Twitter. You'll see it on Facebook. Share it, retweet it. Your name gets put on a list. Your name gets added to the list. And then you become a Geek of the Week. Simple, sweet, and we sure do appreciate it. So, talking about the holiday seasons, you know. We're talking about we just got through Thanksgiving, getting together, showing thanks, a lot of love, a lot of gratitude. But what happens right after Thanksgiving? You think, oh, man, Christmas is right around the corner. And I got to do some serious Christmas shopping. So, you know, you either go out to the stores and press your luck out there on the streets or you can sit in the warmth of your sweet home and just get on the good old internet and get looking and seeing what's out there, what's the perfect gift, the thing that's going to blow somebody's mind if you've got thousands and thousands and sometimes thousands and thousands of dollars to spend on your friends and loved ones. We've done this once before in the past. We're just going to have a good time today. I went on eBay just put in names of some of my favorite bands. See what the most expensive items were. And see what kind of interesting things I could find. You remember when we did this? We had fun with it, right? Yeah, I don't remember what we, what we called it. What are we going to call it this time? Let's call this one Christmas Shopping 2022. Okay. Maybe we can do it every year. Okay. So, I just, like I said, got on eBay, started looking around, found some cool, cool stuff. One of the first things I found was a shirt that reminds me of a Kiss shirt that I had when I was a kid. You remember these, don't you, Chris? The all-around print shirts? Yeah, I never liked them, though. You never liked them, man. That Kiss mm -hmm. t-shirt with the four original members on it and the, the print all over the shirt, that was my favorite shirt for a long, long time. That goes for a lot of money now. Yeah. There's an ACDC one on here from 1992, vintage. It's amazing to think about this stuff that we took for granted when it was new. Never thought, no, this ain't going to be worth nothing. I'm going to wear it to death. That's what happened to a lot of these t-shirts. Well, this ACDC one is killer. It's an all-around t-shirt. It's got lightning. It's got Angus. It's got, okay, it's got all kinds of cool stuff going on. It's like an homage to all their albums, I think. Well. Yeah, Bell. it's very cool. Very cool looking indeed. I would totally wear this shirt if it didn't cost $6,500. Why, so, why is this so expensive? I'll tell you. The same reason that all these shirts like this are expensive. Because when you go through eBay and you do what I did, put in the names of your favorite bands, I started with most expensive because that's where all the cool shit is. You're going to get a lot of, you know, autographs, a lot of guitars, a lot of autographed guitars, a lot of autographed albums. And then you get down and you find some cool stuff, some unique things, you know. This t-shirt just grabbed me because, like I said, I had the Kiss version of this, wore it to death. It wouldn't be worth six cents in the condition I saw it last. <laughs> All right. But this one's pristine. And, like most of these ones say that have these T-shirts like this, where else are you going to get it? I guess not. I mean, I guess that's the case. I mean, it's it definitely, I mean, I guess you would call it tacky, but it's also cool at the same time. But 
sixty five hundred dollars. It's a little too steep for me. And of course, and I'll I'll go ahead and mention I'll put links to all these eBay sales in the show notes so you guys can yeah, look at this. I was this thinking yourself. too, maybe you could use some of the pictures for the uh episode art. Yeah, I'll put them in the art artwork too, but I'll put direct links to it. Yeah, so if you want to buy a sixty five hundred dollar A C D C T shirt <laughs> Well, it's only $270.83 for 24 months with PayPal credit, according to this description. Don't mention the fees and charges that go along with that, but it's pretty cool, man. I would totally wear it. I think it's awesome. That's like if I was Elon Musk, I'd be on TV wearing this shirt. Well, I mean, that's a drop in the bucket for him. Right. Yeah, not so much for me. All right, what we got next? So like I said, when you're looking around on eBay and stuff, you're going to find a lot of albums. A lot of them are the expensive ones are autographed and stuff. But, you know, people look at the albums that are being collected nowadays because LPs have become such a big thing. And unless it's re-released, you know, remastered, 180-gram vinyl, some of these albums from the 90s are really, really rare. And if you think about that, here's a great example. So this is Accept, the original vinyl. It's a double vinyl of the 1994 album Death Row, which, by the way, is killer. I love that album. Udo comes back for that album in 94. Totally underrated. Think about that. In 1994, how many albums do you really think Accept was pressing at that time? Not too many. In 94, they're, they're probably making more cassette tapes. Than they are albums, right? No, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, for sure. And you know, even at that '94, nobody gave a shit about cassette tapes. It was all CDs, so they made a shit ton of CDs, a handful of cassettes, and a few albums. This one here sells for three hundred and sixty-nine dollars. Wow! But again, where else are you gonna get it? If you really are an LP collector and you are an Accept fan and you want it all, that's a steep price to pay. But again, 1994, your options of picking up vinyl were pretty thin. You should have picked it up then, I guess. Well, I noticed the the record credit on here is 1994 Areola, BMG Records Europe. So who who names a record company out of a, after a boob? <laughs> <laughs> that's why Accept chose them. You're perfect. Here's another one that's really cool. Except Metal Heart, Mexican, rare, 12-inch promo LP. $389.99 plus shipping. Could be yours. But it is cool as hell. Unless you happen to have been in Mexico, came out, and bought it and held on to it all these years, I could see how that'd be worth like 400 some dollars. Well, the, the for me personally, the c- center ring sticker with the yeah. old Epic logo takes me back to childhood because I had I, I had several records with that on it, and uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, obviously, it's a very bare bones uh, image on the cover compared yeah. to what wound up getting released. So it, it's it, it's interesting to see this uh, and Mexican stuff. I've still to this day. I want. I'm not even a big fan of Kiss Unmasked, but I want the Mexican promo. Have you seen the Mexican vinyl for Unmasked? No, I don't think so. It's like a multicolor splatter paint thing on the vinyl, and oh. to this day, I still want a copy of that. That's cool. Well, like I said, in in the meantime, for 400 bucks, you can get yourself Accept Corazon de Metal, or you can play th- pay 32 dollars a year. Or, you know, for a year, 32 dollars a month. You can't hold that shit in your hand. 
Midnight Mover on that one. That's a good song. And if you look at the uh, the print, it's all in Spanish as well. Corazon de Metal. Yeah. Screaming for a Love Bite is Gritando por un... I don't, what am I doing? Trying to speak another language, and I promised I wasn't going to do that no more. <laughs> but you did so... It sounded so fluently in the, Span, in the uh, French episode. Yeah, right, exactly. That's what ruined it for me. Talking about cool-ass T-shirts... Man, how cool would it be if he, I guess it was one show. How many people bought t-shirts? How many people out of those wore those shirts to death after that? To now, all these years later, 1984 Monsters of Rock Festival t-shirt. You know, ACDC, Dio, Ozzy, Except, Crew, Van Van Halen, yeah. What a lineup. Somebody with the foresight to go, you know what? I'm going to put this in a drawer and never touch it again. It's cool. I'm jealous of anyone who got to see this show. Yeah. Gary Moore played on that, too. I didn't even realize that. Mm-hmm. $650. Yep. What was the venue for this? What was that? Say? Oh, uh, Stockholm. Yeah. Stockholm, Sweden, 1984. Or no, Stockholm. Oh, so there was three different shows. So this one was in Germany. Sweden, Schweiz. I don't know. Hmm. That's pretty wild. It's not. And it's not even the in the best condition either. But oh, it's, it's still. Uh, that's something you would frame. Yeah, I think so. Or like this one's got it on like a like a mannequin. Yeah. You stand it up in the corner. <laughs> I bet our friend Dave Tedder was at at uh, the German show. I think he lived in Germany at that time. Yeah, I bet he was. Yeah. We'll have to ask him about that. Yeah, that's awesome. I'd love it. But again, you know, like, see, what do you really do with it? If you got that kind of money, you'd be like, I wear that shit. But if you're buying it for a collection, I don't know what you do with a shirt. Now, shirts are cool and all, but the next thing you have on your list is something I would truly love to own. Oh, yeah. Because, like I said, you know, you're going to find a lot of guitars that were autographed by famous guitar players, you know. Hey, sign my guitar. Hey, sign my guitar. You know, that doesn't make that guitar special. All it makes it is something that that dude signed, right? Mm -hmm. But what if you had the chance to own Brad Whitford's actual guitar? Like, he actually owned this. has been seen on stage in photos in videos and everything else playing this thing. And on top of that, it's cool as hell. Mm -hmm. It can be yours. The mere price... Of $31,775. Well, man, talk about one of a kind. How do you say that? Hamer? Yeah, it's a Hamer Karina Explorer. And the funny thing is, is back in the 90s, I actually got to play a Hamer Karina Explorer that a friend of mine had. And it was one of the best sounding guitars I've ever touched. And um, I, you know... Obviously, I I followed Aerosmith during the '90s, and I remember all this. But like, I didn't realize that was what Brad was playing with. But Brad plays this guitar in the video for "Hole in My Soul" from the Nine Lives album, and then they also performed at the yep. Super Bowl that year. And this is the guitar he used at the Super Bowl. So this like, that's a pretty fucking historical guitar so. right there. The person listening it says uh, it was made in 1995, I believe, according to the Hamer serial number. This guitar was obtained directly yeah. from Brad. Brad also provided a hand-signed certificate of authenticity 
Brad also provided a few photos of him holding the guitar and the guitar in front of his Aerosmith rig. He obtained the guitar directly from a well-known auction house. This is the cool stuff you find on eBay sometimes. And, you know, it's just kind of a cool feeling to know that this stuff is out there, you know, and that people care enough about it that somebody might actually pay, you know, almost $32,000 for it. I mean, I don't have that kind of money to spend, but it's cool. And, uh, yeah, Hamer Korean Explorer, that's a a hell of a guitar. And uh, for you Aerosmith fans, if you remember the last time we did this show, I'm happy to inform you that that computer signed by Steven Tyler and Robert Redford, it's still available. (laughs) (laughs) At $29,500. Of all the random-ass weird things. I laughed when I was doing this. All these listings are new, and I'm not seeing, or I didn't realize that I hadn't seen none of the ones from last time until I saw that, and I totally remembered that. I was like, oh, shit, nobody ever bought that. (laughs) I was like, tell me you don't want to sell this without telling me you don't want to sell this. Yeah. (laughs) Charge $29,000 for it. A block, a brick is a plastic is what it is. That's essentially, you know, it's, it's so obsolete. It's cool and all, but nobody's going to pay that much for it. You just got to know somebody who is a huge Robert Redford fan and also a huge fan of Steven Tyler. <laughs> who all, they have to be out there. Who also <laughs> collects weird, obscure computer artifacts. <laughs> I guess so. If you know that person, I've got the perfect gift. <laughs> but this thing, oh man, this one's pretty cool. I would like to have this. It is an Aerosmith Touring Cigar Ashtray, the only one known to exist. And they got a photo with Steven Tyler somewhere in the late 70s, early 80s, sitting with this thing. And this is, it's a big crystal ashtray. It's one of those old, big ashtrays like you used to see in a bar when you were a kid or uh, maybe your grandparents' house, but... It shows the the ashtray sitting in the background of this old picture of Steven Tyler. And it is really cool. It says property of the Aerosmith road crew on the inside. And it's this big glass ashtray. And they brought it with them everywhere they went, I guess. That's pretty cool. I I don't know if it's worth five grand, but it's cool. (laughs) It's a one of a kind item. (laughs) But there's not a whole lot of story. I like some of these listings that have like the story of how how they got a hold of it. And this one just is pretty simple. It just says what it is. There's the photo. It's the proof. Give me five grand. It makes you wonder how the person got a hold of something like this. You know, and I think about who did we talk to that time that worked for Kiss that did the artwork and stuff? Oh, was Vincent that, uh, DiGirlando. Vincent. Yeah, Vincent DiGirlando. And he was telling us the stories about the shit in the dumpster. Mm-hmm. About how it's just, nothing to them it's just old prints of things and stuff like that and it's all thrown in the dumpster and for a kiss fan to get their hands on something like that nowadays is some holy grail stuff you know but at the time it's just like it's an ashtray (laughs) you want it take it yeah i never would have expected to see this on ebay but that's it's interesting nonetheless it's one of the more fun things I've found, I think, just because it truly is a one-of-a-kind item, and it's cool-looking, and it's got the picture with Steven Tyler with it sitting back there. And it's fun to think, how many roaches has been in that thing? Uh, quite a few. 
<laughs> I picture that. That's cool. I love it. Somebody wants to buy Aaron Camaro something special for five thousand dollars. Aerosmith ashtray. It's pretty cool, man. It would make a really cool kind of a centerpiece in your living room, even if you don't smoke cigarettes. I'm sure the uh, the guy that owns the cult will end up buying it. Yeah. Maybe they work out some kind of trade for the computer. Right. <laughs> Here's some neat stuff that's, I don't know, it's kind of weird to me because, like autographs, you know, is an autograph really awesome unless you were the one getting the autograph? It's up to the person that collects, you know, if you, because, I mean, like I said, you look up, you're putting your favorite back, putting in Allen Chains and the top, top tier stuff, it's going to be autographed items, you know, autographed albums mostly. But this one is pretty far out, and it's got a price tag of $15,000. Wow. But it's weird, and it's one of a kind. Allison Chained signed handwritten letters, including, of course, Lane Staley and Mike Starr, who's gone. So it's written on, like, Godzilla paper. Yep. Kind of hard to describe, but basically... Each one of them has got a page, and they each write happy birthday to somebody. And they write funny stuff. You know, it's, it's, all, it's pretty cool. But the thing is, is it's, it's not to you, but it is pretty cool. I mean, it's happy birthday, love, Lane, you know. <laughs> Jerry Cantrell, A&C, signed birthday cards. I could read Lane's. It says... Hey, blank, because I blanked out the person's name. Yeah. You chimp-headed madcap. Me and you next Friday pick you up at 8, wear something slinky. Happy birthday, Lane. Yeah. (laughs) I think Jerry says, happy birthday to a guy so smelly, he makes goats puke. Oh, his handwriting kind of (laughs) sucks. It is kind of tough. A man who eats rotted fish heads. Yeah, rotted fish heads. Wow. Pretty wild. Yeah. I don't know if it's $15,000, but it's interesting. Yeah, I don't know $15,000. But again, you know, it definitely is one of a kind. This one I think I'd enjoy a lot more for a fraction of the price. It's an Alice in Chains handwritten 1992 set list, complete with blood and stains on it. That's cool. Even if you're at a show nowadays where you can grab a hold of the set list, it's always printed out. Mm-hmm. It's never handwritten. I've got a, I know I've at least got the overkill one here. It's printed out. Yeah. These are handwritten, and it's old, and it's crinkly, and what I like best about these, it's got kind of a cool little story with it. It's a handwritten set list from Alice in Chains' show at the Trocadello Theater in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, on Thanksgiving Eve, Wednesday, November 25th, 1992. This set list was positioned stage center on the stage floor by Lane Staley's mic and given to me by hand over the stage barricade after the show by one of the band's stage techs. It has been in my possession for nearly 28 years since that night. Screaming Trees and Grunt Truck opened the show that night. My friends and I arrived at the beginning of the Screaming Trees set and saw our other friends at the stage barrier in the first rows of fans. We were able to work our way up to their position during the set change between Screaming Trees and Alice in Chains. We were positioned between stage center and stage left during the set. 
It was the best rock show I've ever witnessed in my life. There's a boot or shoe print on the set list. It's most likely Lane's as the band members stayed fairly close to their respective places on stage. Jerry stage left, Mike stage right, and there's also some discoloration that could possibly be sweat or blood on the set list. <laughs> this is the only handwritten authentic Alice in Chains set list from the Dirt Tour that I've ever seen available online for purchase. I will be glad to issue a letter of provenance signed. Now, well, that's the boring shit. Yeah. But that's pretty damn cool. Yeah. Well, and look at that set list. I mean, yeah. Damn That River, We Die Young, Them Bones, Wood, Love, Hate, Love, Junkhead, Godsmack, Bleed the Freak, Put You Down, Sick Man, It Ain't Like That, Hate to Feel, Dirt, Angry Chair, and Man in the Box. Shoot, yeah, man. Now that in a frame. Yeah. Five grand. If I had the money, I would say is worth it. Yeah, if I had the money, for sure. So that is available right now for somebody that wants a one-of-a-kind, awesome Alice in Chains thing. You could make some kind of cool Alice in Chains frame around it or something, mm-hmm. hang it up on your wall. It'd be pretty cool. I love the fact that it's wrinkly and it's got stains. <laughs> Makes it seem more real. I like that. All right, here's another poster. I thought that was pretty cool. I looked up Armored Saint. I was thinking about Armored Saint because, man, have they been getting a lot of love for their role on the Wasp tour. Everybody I've Mm -hmm. talked to that's seen that show, they all say the same thing. Holy shit, Armored Saint. So I put in Armored Saint, and I thought, I wonder what the most expensive Armored Saint item is. And it is an old poster from 1985. It's on sale right now for $1,000. It's actually more promoted as a Metallica one, even though Armored Saint was the headliners (laughs) with Metallica and a band called Vice opening up. Just kind of plain, you know, black and white, lettered, nothing fancy. But shit, man, somebody had the wherewithal to get that that night. Or around that time, whenever it's been being advertised and held onto it all these years. That's really cool. That's during Metallica's Ride the Lightning tour. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, now I want to look up this band Vice and hear what the hell they sound like because it'd be interesting to hear. That's what I was thinking too because I've never heard of Vice either. Yeah, I haven't either. But, yeah, you know, and, and John Bush was, uh, considered at one point to, you know, as the lead singer for Metallica, they they tried to recruit him at the time. Or they were going to be a five piece. That that was the plan. Wow! And and they wanted him to be their singer, and um, he considered it. But Armored Saint was picking up steam at the time, and he turned him down. But there's a I shared a video a couple of weeks ago of uh, when you know Metallica did their 30th anniversary shows a few years back, and they brought up like everyone from. All the, you know, Brett Dave Mustaine and Ron McGovney and all these people to do, you know, guest spots doing songs. They brought John Bush up and they told the story about, you know, for a while there, James wasn't sure he wanted to be the singer. And he was like, well, I'd be, we'd be better off with a, with a singer and I just play guitar. And John Bush was the guy they had targeted. And John Bush comes out and they did Four Horsemen together. And it sounds fucking amazing. Yeah. Uh, it, it, and you, you know, when you listen to it, like he actually would have fit them like a glove with their material. I think his voice would have worked really well with the Metallica stuff. But then you can see as this poster states at the time, that would have been a step down for him to join Metallica 
when Metallica is the band opening up for the band he's already in. Yeah, I mean Armored Saint was doing pretty well during those oh, those years. Yeah, they were they were picking up steam at the time. Heck yeah! So if you're a big Armored Saint fan or a Metallica fan, thousand bucks it can be yours. It's that's actually neat. that's not a bad price for what that is. No, I don't think so either. You know, it's not flashy or artsy, but it is cool. It's historical though. Very historical. So here's something not so historical. Well, maybe it's a little historical. If you, uh, this cracks me up. <laughs> looking for looking for something for the lady in your life. I can't think uh, of nothing that is going to make her eyes water with excitement on Christmas morning when she realizes that you bought her an authentic Sebastian Bach Skid Row ladies leather jacket. I wish this was a visual thing, and you've got to go look at the picture of this thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's straight up Fabio. It's pretty wild. So it looks like, uh, like I said, ladies leather jacket, Sebastian Bach, looking at his beautiful self on the airbrushed on the back of it. And this comes from LA rocks, which that's the famous place where people bought their rock clothes back in the day. I think, right. I, I have no idea, Hollywood? but, well, it, it does look like something you would have bought in Hollywood. Yeah, though. definitely. 100% this comes from Hollywood. I don't even need to look to guess that. Uh, it says, L.A. Rocks Hollywood Skid Row Vintage Motorcycle Jacket with Sebastian Bach from Skid Row airbrushed on the back by the famous artist Carlos Cartagena. Rare to find original art by this artist in size woman's small. Great memorabilia for vintage rock collections. Would make a great wall hanger piece for a collector or wear it and show it off. Very nice condition. Happy bidding. How long has this been on here? It's for sale it's um, for sale right now for seven hundred bucks. I don't know how when it got put up here, but uh I was gonna say seller Sebastian Bach. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um. He's up in Calgary spray painting them himself. It's funny looking at it, though, because it does take you back to a time like in the late 80s and early 90s. Like the airbrush artwork stuff was a big, big deal at the time. And you so know what? A, I give the artist credit on this because it does look good. It looks really it, good. It does look like him. And, and I'm not going to lie. Sebastian Bach was a very beautiful man at those at that oh, time. Man. All the girls <laughs> love Sebastian Bach. Like even if they didn't, I think the girls pretended to like Skid Row. Because they like Sebastian Bach so much. Yeah. He definitely looked like a freak of nature at that time. Yep. Pretty cool, Jack. I could see you running around in that, my friend. Oh, you think so? <laughs> hey, I've got a ZP Thart jacket, and oh, I wear that everywhere. Yeah, I bet you do. I need an Eric Gronwald jacket to add to uh, my collection. Yep. He was a beautiful man. I'll, I, I won't. I won't lie. I'm not gay, and I'm all man. But you know, he's a pretty, pretty good looking guy. Yeah. I mean, shit. I'm telling you, the women didn't. You know, you could put in like uh, "Slave to the Grind" and like yeah. heavy, heavy ass songs, and your girlfriend would tolerate it because they were in love with Sebastian Bach. Yep. <laughs> it's all good, baby. Skid Row is my favorite. Oh yeah, I bet. All right, the next thing on your list might be the most interesting one of all of them. Okay, so that got me thinking because I was kind of rolling through, and I thought, you know, there's some of this stuff's kind of expensive, you know, like really expensive. And I thought, 
I wonder what is the most expensive like music memorabilia kind of stuff out there. And if you're thinking about what's the most expensive, then you think, well, who's going to be the most expensive? You type in the Beatles. You go most expensive first. And what's the first thing that pops up? For $2.4 million, the very final autographs that the Beatles ever gave as a group. Crazy. This is what it says about it. World-famous, iconic caricature. The only piece of memorabilia from the launch and premiere of Abbey Road, their last recorded album, surrounded by the greatest and most stylish autographs ever given by the band, presented to Rowan Ayers in February 1970. The producer and editor of the late-night lineup, BBC Two, and friend and colleague of the band. The last autographs ever signed by the Beatles as a band. Wow. This virtually priceless piece of history features the Barbershop Quartet, which featured the song Maxwell's Silver Hammer. This one-of-a-kind drawing is world-famous now and has an incredible following being the only tangible memorabilia from the premiere of Abbey Road in existence drawn by John Lennon and originating from Apple Studios. He has been published in books by major Beatle historians. The Beatles wrote to me showing an interest in buying it back in the late 90s through their agent, Michael Heatley. Wow. That's far out, man. That's pretty cool. That is truly... Well, that's a lot of money. <laughs> but, I mean, really, that's the only one, the very last time... The Beatles yeah. were together to sign an autograph. It's pretty amazing. I didn't even know this was out here. And uh, to see that and know, know the history behind the band being, you know, breaking up at the time. And, you know, this guy, this could be the last autograph ever that the band signed together. So that, that's pretty amazing. Pretty cool. Yeah, that was, I, well, without a doubt, that is the most expensive thing that I found looking for rock and roll stuff, but that's crazy. $2 million. Yeah. But about it. if somebody, if somebody is just loaded so much money that you don't even care. Yeah. If you're the next tier down, maybe this one's for you. This one's only about a million. <laughs> this is the Beatles original stage from the first ever show. So it's some planks of wood torn up from the stage at the very first show that the Beatles played. It's Liverpool, right? So it's that is correct. The pictures. Legendary original stage the Beatles played on for their very first ever advertised gig. This is the original stage from Latham Hall, Liverpool. Latham Hall is the famed venue where John Lennon got in a fight and broke his finger which set crooked for the rest of his life. The much smaller other section of the stage sold at Julian's auctions in 2020 for the price of $32,000. This is the much larger remainder of the stage. It's got some photos of the lumber. It's got some commentary, a video of it being removed. Hmm. This one thing on here that really gets me is, is this is slick. If, but if you had this kind of money, you wouldn't be trying to make money, so you wouldn't really care. You'd just want it. I mean, you could put it up on your wall as decoration. 
be pretty awesome. But what this person suggests you do is you could take this piece of wood and cut little tiny slivers off of it, put it in, make (laughs) custom jewelry with it. You could. And sell it to Beatles fans around the world. That's what the Woodstock people did with the stage there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not a bad idea, actually. I mean, there you probably get plenty of people that would be willing to pony up money for it. But if I got a million dollars in the bank, I'm not sitting around making Beatles jewelry. Oh, the, the next thing on your list is higher price than the uh, Beatles autograph. Let's see. Oh, yeah, that's right. I did have one more that was more expensive. So we talked about earlier about Brad Whitford's guitar. You know, Brad Whitford's a pretty esteemed guy. You know, that's worth the price that they're asking for that thing. What if the guitar you're talking about was owned by Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones? And this is like an old school guitar, too. It's got his autograph on it and everything to go along with it. This is cool. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It'd be sweet to have it. It's a lot of money. Seven million. Over seven million. Seven and a half. it's 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 way overpriced, but uh, it's a beautiful Fender Telecaster signed by Keith. But it's it ain't worth seven million dollars. No, I'm sorry. I just don't think anybody's gonna pay seven point five million for a guitar, even if it is Keith Richards. It's beautiful, but yeah, no, I don't know that there's any piece of music gear that's worth seven million dollars. Clearly, there's definitely more than one Keith Richards guitar. Well, I mean, he used it for recording some girls in 78 and then, you know, the, the tour to support the record. But it, even as cool as that is, it ain't worth $7 million. This yeah. is kind of insane. It's pretty cool, though. I wouldn't mind having it. But it's a lot no, of money. Cool. Yeah, I forgot about that. That is more, way more. See, that one's crazy. Like, I would think that the Beatles autographs would be worth way more than the Keith Richards autograph guitar. I would think so. Hmm. I would think this would be worth more than the guitar, but this one's quite a bit cheaper than that. At $95,000, you can get the copper plates that were used to print the Rolling Stones' first album in 1964. These things are pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Like, I've never thought about that before because you don't really think about, like, what it was like to press albums and things back then. But you couldn't just print it out on a computer. They actually made printing blocks to press the albums with, the album covers. Mm-hmm. And this is copper. It's cool. And it's, it's a one-of-a-kind thing. It says, the only known surviving printer's block used to produce the Rolling Stones' first U.S. album, England's newest hit makers. It's got the measurements with it. comes in the original cardboard storage box with handwritten labeling on the spine. It originated from the printing firm of C.L. Schmoyer and Sons in Allentown, Pennsylvania, circa 1964. So this was just something that in Pennsylvania, in Allentown, this company was hired to print the album covers. And then when it's over, you know, the job's done. How many of those just got thrown away after that? Most of them did, I'm sure. I'm I'm kind of amazed that somebody held on to it. Yeah. Like, again, you know, in 1964, somebody had the wherewithal to say, you know what, maybe I should save that and 
maybe try to sell it in 2022. That's wild. Maybe I use the money to buy a flying car. <laughs> That's pretty cool. But I love that. Just the idea of somebody thought, you know what? I'm going to hang on to this. Yeah. It might, might be worth something someday. This one's kind of interesting because it's not for sure. But I'm going to let you be the judge on it. On eBay right now is the opportunity, and this is written with question marks, John Bonham's 1972 Mercedes-Benz sedan. Led Zeppelin drummer owned it. <laughs> the question marks don't make you feel great about it. They're asking for this car about $10,000. It says... <laughs> I recently bought this 1972 Mercedes-Benz model 220 gasoline engine-powered sedan from a local Montana man. He claimed it belonged to the Led Zeppelin rock group's drummer, John Bonham, many years ago. I have no paperwork to prove that, but it, <laughs> but it is possible due to the four following reasons. One, this car is a European version of the special glass headlamp covers and special color tail lamp lenses. Two, this car has right-hand drive, which was and still is used in Great Britain, where John Bonham was from. Three, this car has the oval sticker on the back with the letters GB on it, indicating that it was in Great Britain at one time. And four, this car has an image of Icarus etched into both of the rear quarter panel window glasses. That might hmm. be the deal right there, because who possible. else would have that? And it is clearly an English car, ended up somehow in Montana, ended up in Montana. Of the four reasons listed above, perhaps number four is the most significant. A friend who is into Led Zeppelin way more than I told me that the image of the Greek mythological character Icarus was used on some of Led Zeppelin's album yeah. covers. There are times when I try to hard when I try hard to get vehicles back to original owners' families, and this has to be one of those times. I will pay anyone five hundred dollars for information positively providing without a doubt that this car was owned by the rock star John Bonham at some time before he passed away in nineteen eighty. Yeah, I'd pay that five hundred dollars because guess what? My price just went up quite a bit. If I had some yeah. sort of proof that this was actually John Bonham's car. It's possible. I mean, there are some things that would point to that, especially the Icarus etching on the windows, which it's hard to see in the picture. I don't really... It's there, though. Yeah, there's some kind of etching on there. But That looks like Icarus to me. I mean, that, that looks like the Swan Song label. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, how does it wind up in Montana? That's yeah, that kinda, is weird. I would want to know that story. Like, how did he get it? Um, I don't know. I mean, it, I guess it's possible. Yeah. Um, Honestly, he should reach out to Jason Bonham and see if he could confirm it. Because, I mean, if anyone could, it would be him. My dad owned hundreds of cars in his life. I have it's no interesting. idea. But if it's true, then the, the, the asking price isn't that out of line. If, if, I mean, if you can definitely trace it back to John Bonham, that's actually a reasonable price, I would think. I would think that the price jumps quite a bit if you had some kind of proof that yeah. that was actually his car. And I think that's why they're willing to pay the $500 yeah. if you can help them prove it because that's well worth it to them because then it goes goes up at least five grand. 
Oh, you would think. Well, I don't know, though. I mean, it's, it, it's definitely not in very good shape. You can tell just by looking no, at the pictures. No, you wouldn't but, buy that to drive it. You'd buy it to put it in a glass case or put it in a garage somewhere with your all your other cars, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Interesting, though. Yeah. All right, here's one, because we kind of talk about Zeppelin, and I thought this is kind of weird, but I was wondering what you thought about this, because this is supposed to be like a business opportunity, but it's memorabilia from the past in mass quantities so it's a lot of black crows a lot of jimmy page and the black crows and oasis so it's stickers and backstage passes and all these things and basically what they're saying is if you buy this for fourteen thousand almost fifteen thousand dollars you can turn around and sell it and make more than your money back the weird thing is it's like it it the it's like the backstage passes it shows Oasis on one side and the Black Crows on the other. Did they tour together? Or is this a tour that fell through? Oh, I that makes sense then. Why there'd be so I don't think they ever toured together. That makes sense. I bet you this did fall through because that explains because there's a whole bunch of like uh working or photo. Are you Well the tour of brotherly love? is what it was called and it's got oasis on one side black crows on the other and i bet this was a tour that was like close enough to where contracts probably got signed but then it fell through because i know they didn't tour together that makes total sense because it would have been it would have had to have been a last minute thing to have all this stuff already printed and ready to go you got a bunch of black crow stickers you got promos for the right by your side album there is passes yeah. wanting to know if you, you either check mark that you're working or you're in the photo pit. Um, yeah, yeah, Zoso, Black Crows, Jimmy Page. I'm wondering, Jimmy Jimmy well, Page must have been having up a hand in that too. Then, well, the if you want, there's um, the Steve Gorman book, uh, his autobiography. Like Jimmy Page did tour with the Crows for a while, and it was a thing where he kind of fell in love with their music. And it's the funniest part of Steve Gorman's book because he talks about how much fun it was to tour with Jimmy Page. And there were plans to do a record together with Jimmy Page, like producing and playing on it. But Rich Robinson, you know, the guitarist that's the brother of Chris, who's the singer, got insecure and and basically told him no (laughs) And, and told Jimmy Page to basically take a hike. And wow. and claimed that it was on behalf of the whole band, but it wasn't. The rest of the band oh, had no, no idea. Oh no! And the in Steve Gorman's book, it's basically a whole chapter about how he wanted to beat the living fuck out of Rich Robinson for turning that down. Wow, that's got to be yeah, that's pretty insecure. But I mean, I guess I understand he is Jimmy Page, but you go, well, wait a minute, man. This is I used to be the guitar player in Black right. Crows. You know, he probably thought Jimmy Page was coming for his job. I guess it would be like uh, Joe Rogan coming to you and saying, "Hey, like, let's do podcast together," and then like, we don't really need Chris to be here. Yeah, no. <laughs> I would. I'd probably get a complex. Um, oh, and it says uh, tour two thousand. So I guess in two thousand was when this was going to happen. But I noticed also on. Uh, it looks like there's these little, um, you know, the 45 spinner things. For That's the... what those things are. I remember those. And um, but that. So if you didn't have the middle piece on your turntable right. to play the 45, you would put these things inside your 45 yep. record 
and it would slip on the regular size needle. Yeah, and that's the, what I'm seeing there with the snake heads. That's from, uh, I think it was called Three Snakes and a Charm was the Black that's Crows right. record at the time. Yep, yep. But yeah, so like, I wonder who this is. So it says just Amp Group is who's selling it, but I'm guessing this is somebody, promoters. somebody who was in production or promotion that uh, had a lot of money invested and they're trying to make some money back on it that when it fell through. Oh, that sucks. And all these years later, nobody still wants that shit. No. What am I supposed to do with a bunch of stickers and passes for a show that never happened? He's not going to get it. That's, you know, he's wanting almost $15,000 for this stuff. There's, a, there's no way. And like it says, if you turned around and sold each one of these things for $10, you would, you know, double your money or whatever. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll sell all the unused Rockin' Pod passes and programs <laughs> that I have. I'll sell it for 100 bucks If you want it, contact me. <laughs> oh, no, you got to wait 20 years. No, I'll sell it for $100 straight up to make more room in my garage because I got a bunch of that shit. <laughs> I need to go through that and pick out all the stuff I never got. Oh, I've got a bunch of shit you can have. Okay. One of these I'll, days I'll have to do that if you, I don't have a lot. If you want eight-foot banners, I'll give you those, too. Oh, boy. <laughs> you shouldn't have put the year on them. Yeah, I know. That <laughs> was the big mistake I made. Them. Yeah. I should have just kept the same color scheme and the same logo through everything. There you go. <laughs> I feel for this guy selling this stuff, though, because I've been there. <laughs> Yeah, it does suck. Especially, like you said, you got everything together. You're good to go. Everybody good to go. We're good to go. Cancel. Oh, shit. That's what I get for booking two of the most volatile bands of the 2000s. All right, well, let's jump it back a little bit. Here's a band that you love. I got to know. Would you pay $60,000 for three empty Bon Jovi wine bottles? (laughs) (laughs) I like Bon Jovi, but not that much. Oh, come on. They're limited edition 25th anniversary bottles. Empty, sold as is. They drank the wine, but they'll sell you the bottles for $60,000. Wow. I got to read. ridiculous. This auction is for three limited edition Bon Jovi 25th anniversary bottles numbered out of 1,000 made. Last three bottles sold as is. Very, very detailed etched artwork. Bottles could have tiny blemishes. Nothing major. You know, only thousands and thousands of dollars. Mint to near mint. Outstanding condition. Check bottle for great artwork. Great for you. Great for gifts. Yeah, I don't think so. Not even if the wine was still in it. No. $60,000. That's ridiculous. No. pass. Now, I wasn't going to reveal this, but I saw this about a year ago, and I've been saving up money ever since, but I'd like to reveal to you now what I am getting you for Christmas. What's that? That is, and it was it was expensive, so, you know, I don't want, but that's not important. The price is not important. What's important is that for Christmas, I'm getting you a life-size John Bon Jovi wax statue. Talking huh? Madame Tussard style. I hope you're kidding. Do you see it? Do I see it? Oh, well, let me look at it. <laughs> this thing is ridiculous. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I'm going to have like the worst nightmares ever. Thanks, man. 
God, that's frightening. And it was only $16,000. I'll pay you $16,000 for me to never see that image again. It is kind of creepy looking. I, yeah, I hope I don't know a person that would want that. The hair looks good, though. I'll give him that. Yeah. It's real human hair. I'm just talking about the chest hair. Oh, that's real human hair, too. <laughs> but this is some serious stuff. They actually make these. So it's it's platinum silicone, colorless, odorless, oil-free, hand-turned, custom pigmentation. <laughs> Makeup is applied using custom paint colors. Real human hair. Head, chest, and ass. Donated human hair, dyed in-house by hand. (laughs) Tailored clothing that is tailored to fit the sculptor's pose. Resin eyeballs. The pupils are designed based on the human eye. And it's even got teeth. Resin teeth are created using a dental veneer template. This is some serious stuff. They've got, I mean, they do like. Uh, the Joker and Iron Man and uh, <laughs> John Bon Jovi, Captain Jack Sparrow and John Bon Jovi. I don't know. You spend that kind of money to make something like this because I don't know. Clearly, man. you see a lot goes into it. Like even the eyeballs got to be expensive. It looks more like Rachel Maddow decided to dress up as John Bon Jovi than John Bon Jovi. Well, chest hair does match. <laughs> I don't. This is the creepiest thing I've ever seen. I I, I kind of hate you for even putting this on the list. But, but think okay. about this. So in this laboratory <laughs> somewhere where they're going to make these things, they're like, okay, we have to make a couple as examples before we start taking orders for other ones, right? And so they go, okay, yeah. who do we do first? Who do we make that's really going to sell fast and easy? John Bon Jovi. <laughs> Like, it's perfect. This is fucking frightening. He's got leather vest. He's got the pants with some little leather spikes on them. I don't know what year this is supposed to be. Because he looks like old Bon Jovi, but he's dressed like young Bon Jovi. But it's like Keith Keep the Faith era hairstyle. Yeah. I don't know. I think John's wife divorced him after seeing this picture. <laughs> Left him. For the wax statue. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. Probably better in bed. Oh, man, you guys got to see it. Look in the show notes. It's going to creep you out. <laughs> yeah, I hate you for this, but okay, let's go to the next yeah. thing. All right, so I thought, what's another band I like that's cool? You know, I'll put in, hey, I wonder what Cheap Tricks got that's super expensive. Bet you over the years they got some cool memorabilia out there. No, one of the most expensive things you can buy for Cheap Trick right now is two tickets to see them with Rod Stewart in Canada, fifth row, $3,000. Jesus Christ. You could get a Cheap Trick guitar autographed by Rick and Robin for less money than two tickets to go see them in Canada with Rod Stewart right now. And it's Rod Stewart doing, like, standards and stuff. It's not even, like, the good stuff. Jeez. What kind of stuff must Cheap Trick be limited to playing? Like, does Rod Stewart pick out their playlist? Our no, guys actually, they don't rock too hard. They they still mix up their set list pretty well. I I follow some Cheap Trick groups, and and like they they still play a lot of deep track. I'll give Cheap Trick credit on that. They they do mix up their set list a lot more than other bands we follow. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. I like that. But I mean, I but but Rod Stewart stuff, it's like a bunch of like Tony Bennett type standards now. It's none of the old stuff. <laughs> 
<laughs> I want to tell you a funny story that's a little unrelated, but kind of related. What? So, you know, my wife's always out looking for LPs for her dad because he collects the LPs. And he was looking for Rod Stewart. And so I said, because <laughs> she don't know about things, you know. And I said, oh, yeah, Rod Stewart. That's the guy that swallowed so much semen that he had to go get his stomach pumped at the oh hospital. Oh, my God. And she says, what? <laughs> I said, oh, yeah, have you ever heard that? <laughs> that was him, wasn't it? I just can't believe you found a person on earth who hasn't heard that rumor. I think everyone knows that rumor by now. Just like Richard Gere with that, the fucking right. gerbil. Yep, yep, yeah. Oh, I don't God. know if any of that's true. It's I'm, not true. It. Rod Stewart's gotten more pussy than we could ever even dream no, of having. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that being true. But, I, yeah, you're right. It is funny that she'd never heard that. And I hadn't thought about it in years until she showed me that album. Oh, God. That's funny. But not... <laughs> that's what I'm more shocked about is somebody hasn't heard that rumor. I think I heard that in, like, the fifth grade. Well, yeah, me too. <laughs> crazy. Crazy, crazy. All right. So if I know one thing about the last time that we did this was that Alice Cooper has got the best stuff. Like last time we did this, all kinds of cool Alice Cooper stuff. I go look for it this time. That stuff's all gone, but all kinds of new really cool Alice Cooper stuff. Start out with this one, because I find this to be grossly overpriced. This is a plush snake signed by Alice Cooper in 1991. Now, their reasoning behind this is that because it is most likely a one-of-a-kind. It's an extremely rare concert relic from the Hey Stupid Tour in Montreal. It is a whopping 25 inches long, stage model, stuffed plush snake, grabbed in the air and signed by Alice after the mind-blowing show. Very attractive, huge signed piece, museum quality. So it was thrown into the crowd by Alice Cooper during his 1991 Hey Stupid show in Montreal. The seller has preserved the piece in airtight conditions since signed by Alice for the seller nearly 29 years ago. I believe this is a, one of approximately three snakes from the show and most likely the sole one signed by the rock legend himself that evening. So that's pretty cool. It is, I don't know if it's worth that kind of money, but it is pretty neat. And it is cool they kept it and saved it. Alice Cooper signs it on the teeth. They put Johnny Depp's name in the description just to yeah. grab a little extra attention, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say, this has, <laughs> has absolutely nothing to do with Johnny Depp. That threw me off at first because I was like, okay, 1991 and Johnny Depp. Well, that don't make sense. He was on 21 Jump Street at yeah, the time. Yeah, not hanging out with Alice Cooper, I don't no. think. Um, no, this is a so scam. They, they just stick his name on there. So, seriously, though, there's no real way to prove this, that it actually is. I mean... Well, I mean, the autograph's legit. I can tell that much. 
then I guess. But then it's still a stuffed snake. Is it worth $125,000? I mean, he could have gotten it from one of those claw games at the fucking grocery store. I I don't know that this ever got tossed out to the crowd, but... No, this is a ridiculous product. I don't know. He'll never get 125k for this. No, I don't think so. It's still kind of neat, though. It's interesting, though. This next one is something I would like. I think this is just the coolest. I would love to have this. Unfortunately for me, I'm not spending seven grand on jewelry, even if it did once belong to Alice Cooper. This is. The Alice Cooper 1971 legendary ant ring known worn in the old gray whistle test and elected videos. You familiar with the ring? Yeah. Yes. So I guess he wore this quite a bit. I would love to own this. It was not an item that was worn once or on a handful of occasions. This was famously worn by Alice personally for over three years and documented by the world's press in photos. A truly, a, tr- a true supremely rare personal Alice Cooper collector item for the creme de la creme Alice Cooper collection. This is the actual and original ant ring owned and worn by Alice Cooper. He wore this item on stage from 71, shows for Love It to Death, Killer, Schools Out, Billion Dollar Babies. The ant ring is legendary. Wow. I would love to have that. If I had the money, I would buy this for sure. I think it's definitely worth seven grand. Oh, I do too. I, this is actually reasonably priced for what it is. And what it is, it looks like a glass ring with like, you know, how ants and amber from dinosaur times. That's kind of what it looks like. But yeah. it's an ant inside the glass. It is cool. Well, you know, Gene Simmons kind of borrowed from him with this. You know, Gene started doing belt buckles and rings and stuff with spiders and stuff inside of his, you know, the the jewelry. Oh, yeah. And I I think he got the idea from pictures of Alice doing the same thing. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I don't expect this one to be on there for too long. Somebody's going to snatch that up. Somebody will buy this for sure. Yeah, it, it, that that's incredibly cool. Yeah. And this one, I was surprised at how low the price is on this one. I thought this one could be up to a couple of grand. But this is Alice Cooper 1981 stage-worn clothing. Yeah, I've been looking at this for really? two years. Oh, so this has been on here for quite a while, huh? <laughs> for for at least two years, because I've looked at it and I'm like, damn, I would fucking love to own this. So, but it's but I I just can't justify spending the money. So on you it. definitely know that this is legit without question. This is actually oh yeah. no, it's legit. It's it's the real thing. And I've talked to people that were on his crew. And they, they've confirmed that it's wow. the real thing. Alice Cooper, yeah. 1981 Special Forces T-shirt and rags, stage-worn outfit. If you're reading this, then you are probably already aware of the importance of the legendary Alice Cooper and this item in terms of classic rock music history. The tour was a major success and a unique and original Alice presentation. This is an actual stage-worn by Alice Cooper's Special Forces t-shirt that was created as a stage outfit by Alice Cooper himself. The Special Forces album and tour is part of Alice's Lost Years and was a completely different image for Alice and his band. This item is accompanied by... Oh yeah, it is legit. It's got the certificate of authenticity. 
the real deal. It was worn by him. Stage worn by Alice Cooper on the 1981 Special Forces Tour. Actual Special Forces t-shirt cut and knotted by Alice Cooper. Rags and leather belt cut and tied, knotted, and stage worn by Alice Cooper along with the t-shirt. And the certificate of authenticity goes along with it. Why has nobody bought this up already? Uh, well, I guess because of the price and also, I mean, you know, people, people like you and me, we love that era of Alice, the blackout era, but not everybody else does. But, like, if you look at the rips and you compare it to, you know, photos of him wearing it, it, it matches yeah. up. It's the yeah, real thing. photos of him wearing it back in the day. Yeah. It's cool. I would absolutely love to own this, but I just can't justify blowing five grand on it. I'd have to take a loan out to do it. Yeah, your wife would be pretty mad about that, I bet. Yeah, she Especially, would. Especially, like, oh, don't wash that. Don't let that get along. What do you do with it? Hang it up on the wall? Tack it up there or something? No, it would have an actual case with a mannequin yeah. inside of yeah, it. Yeah, that would be if pretty I, cool. If I went that far. Yeah, but because I love this era of Alice, and I think it would be amazing to own, but... It's just too damn expensive. But, yeah, I, about once a month I search eBay for Alice Cooper stuff, and this is always at the top of the list. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know. Maybe you know about this one, too, because this one's pretty badass also. Yeah. Alice Cooper, 1973 guillotine head stage prop. This I question like... this one, though. I don't know if this is legit. Okay. Yeah, because I looked at it, too, and I wasn't sure, and I wanted to get your opinion on it. This it's, one's also selling for about five grand. And it says Alice Cooper, 1973, billion dollar babies, guillotine head, original prototype. If you're reading this, you are probably aware of the importance of the legendary Alice Cooper. I think this is the same person. This is a creme de la creme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely the same person. Um, let's see. Talks about the history of the band. This is an actual prototype Alice Cooper guillotine head molded of Alice Cooper's face in 1973. The condition is excellent as this head is unused. Okay. The head is constructed of a foam, which then has been lacquered with the Alice Cooper makeup. The hair is provided with the item, but is not original. The guillotine special effect was designed by magician... James Amazing Randy yeah. for the Alice Cooper Group tour, which was performed every night during 1973's extravagant, record-breaking Billion Dollar Babies tour. This guillotine staged prop is the embodiment of the Grand Guignol. I don't know about any of that stuff. So <laughs> what they're saying here is that this isn't the one that actually got used on tour. This was the... The prototype, like the yeah, the idea of what it would be. And the hair isn't the original hair, so you're just getting the head. Yeah, I. this is easy to fake, so I, I don't know if I would go along with this one. Um, if it's real, it's cool, but I don't know. I mean, it does look a lot like them. If it was yeah, I mean, I know, but space. you can get... You can get any mannequin head and make it look like him, but I, I don't know. I'm I mean, talking about in the nose and stuff. This has got too many features in the face to actually be just some mannequin head. Yeah, I guess it could be. It, 
I don't know. Even if it's real, though, I'd rather have the special forces outfit than this for that that type of money. Yeah, I think so too. I think I'd rather have the one that was used on stage. But you got to figure that thing got beat to hell. Yeah, it probably got thrown away at the end. Well, this thing's garbage it's, now. It, yeah, it probably doesn't even exist anymore. Wow, I wonder who this person is that's got all this cool Alice, Alice Cooper stuff. Same Chris Delirium is what it says, and he's got yeah, he's got other cool. Cooper stuff on his uh, and other bands on here on his page. Hmm. Right on. Well, I always somebody who worked in the industry in some fashion, I'm guessing, and had the wherewithal and the foresight to go. You know what? I think that's going to be worth money someday. I'm gonna hang on to it. Maybe I'm gonna put it on a online auction site someday. Online auction? What's that? Oh, uh... <laughs> he's got some cool stuff in his on his page. I'm going to put it on online auction for a year, and someday somebody will buy it. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. You know, like I said, I do like that when somebody in that position was able to see something like that and go, you know what, somebody ought to hang on to that instead of it just getting lost to the sands of time. You know, I hate that. Right. Talking about having the wherewithal, man, I remember kids that had cool shirts when I was a kid and thought, man, I just – I think back to the T-shirts that we had when we were kids and how you'd get it and you'd put it on and you'd wear it until it disintegrated and how many cool rock shirts that I had. And then you get looking around on eBay and you realize how much these shirts are worth nowadays. I got this one because I was thinking about Jason McMaster since he's coming to Rockin' Pod. And I thought, I wonder what kind of cool Dangerous Toys stuff is out there. You know, you're not going to find, like, the Beatles, Alice Cooper, Rolling Stones-level stuff with the Dangerous Toys because, I mean, they weren't household names and they, you know, weren't around as long or for as long a time since the Beatles and bands like that. But old rock shirts from the 80s are worth a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, I had no idea. Like, if you could go back in time, you just buy a whole shitload of these shirts and come back to 2022, sell them all at Rockin' Pod for 100 bucks a pop. You could retire. Yeah. <laughs> this one here jumped out. I mean, just because I think it's cool as hell. It's a Dangerous Toys limited edition Japanese tour shirt. And it, I think it must have been, it says Metal Priest Jackal. Sometimes people tag shit onto the title that don't have nothing to do with it. But it gets more eyeballs on it. But this is a really cool shirt. It's got the uh, the clown, the dangerous toys. Uh, what do they call that? Uh, mascot? mascot? Yeah, mascot. Yeah. That's the word I'm trying to think of. That's a samurai. As a samurai, and he looks cool. And the back says, like dangerous that. toys, Texas meets Tokyo. Japan tour, <laughs> February 2003. So that's 2003. But it's, huh. but it's from Japan. If you're a dangerous yeah. toys fan... And you say, man, this band has always had the best artwork, always had the coolest T-shirts, but that one's just a little bit cooler than the rest, and I don't have it. It's $150, but it sure is cool. It is cool. You might think about getting that one. Yeah, I'm actually considering it now that I look at it. (laughs) That's actually pretty neat. And there's some other ones, too. I mean, like I said, Dangerous Toys was a band that always had awesome artwork, and kick-ass t-shirts and so if you get on ebay and look i'm certain you could find one for less than 150 but 
I mean, they're still old school rock t-shirts, so they're worth something nowadays. Never thought they would be, but they are. All the shit that I thought was going to be worth something ain't worth nothing, and all the stuff I thought I'm just going to wear it till it falls apart is worth 150 bucks or more. Right. Like that Kiss shirt, yeah. that ACDC one. All right, let's get back to this is pretty cool. I like this, and this one is also certified. It's an autographed Udo Dirk Snyder leather glove. You know, Udo from Accept. It's pretty cool. You have to smell it. <laughs> it smells like Udo. It's all it took was one sniff, and that's how they certified it. it yep, smelled German, so I bought it. All Udo, but it's a leather fingerless glove, and it's cool, man. And it's not really, it's not bad. Signed, great German metal legend. Except Udo, concert used fingerless glove, certified authentic. That's reasonable. Comes with a. Four by six picture of Udo signing the glove. It's ready to display on your office or wall in your den. Two hundred bucks. That's not bad considering you get the certification and everything with it that says it's the real deal. That's cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. And the fact that it's autographed. You get one of those plastic hands and put it on there. Yeah. And then make the fingers go up like metal and then display it so you can see where it says Udo on it. <laughs> all right um yeah 200 dollars udo gloves i i like that that's good autographed anton fig signatures drumsticks 150 bucks he's autographed them if you love anton fig and let's face it if you got yeah. a drummer in your life <laughs> they know who anton fig is that's pretty good if you don't want to go the autograph route there's also drumsticks that are available not autographed for quite a bit more affordable Definitely check those out. This one I thought was cool. An Australian magazine called Monitor featuring Jason Becker, Kip Winger, and Gary Corbett. That's Th- cool. 30 bucks from Australia. I might actually buy that. Unless I outbid you. <laughs> <laughs> I was say, we might be fighting for that one. Quit outbidding me, damn it. It's cool to see Gary Corbett getting some uh, cover love on, an album, on a uh, magazine. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's why I put in Gary Corbett, and that's what came up. I was like, that's cool as hell. That's a, he is so so missed by us right now. Yeah, big time, always. Uh, this one I thought was pretty neat. Lita Ford wardrobe from the movie Highway to Hell. It's got a top, it's got a skirt, it's got some heavy metal boots. Do you know the movie Highway to Hell? I, I can't say I do. I, I've never heard of it. I've never heard of that either. Apparently, she plays a hitchhiker in it, and this is her wardrobe from her scene in that movie, and it's autographed on the inside of the dress, is what That's I read. Cool. 1800 awesome. bucks. Wow. Pretty cool, though. I mean, it's that, Lita Ford. That's cool. I found this I like. I would love to have this in the studio. Odorous Urungus 10-inch action figure. 500 bucks. I never knew he did. they had an action figure of Odorous. Not a lot. There's been very few made, and that's why the price is so high, because it was a limited run back in the day, and if you got one, you got one, and if you didn't, well, you're going to pay $500 for it now. Right. I thought this was pretty cool, a Steve Marriott guitar pick from the Fillmore. 
comes with the ticket and it comes with the uh, program from the show. Fifteen hundred bucks. That's fucking cool. Yeah, I mean, because that live album is legendary. Rocking the Fillmore, Humble yep. Pie, one of the most legendary live albums of all time. The guitar pick from the guitar player and the singer in that band. I mean, fuck, I'd love to have that. Well, and I know it's on the. Uh, they've got the playbill on here, and it's got uh, Fanny on here, which was like one of the first female rock bands, and then Laura Nero's on there also. Hmm. I don't know about Fanny. I'll check that out. There's a documentary out on them that came out like a year ago. I I still need to watch it, but I've heard about it. They got albums? Yeah. Huh. I'll definitely check that out. Mm -hmm. Add that to my CD list. This one's kind of neat because, again, where else are you going to find something like this? A Striper 80s tour bomber jacket. That's neat. $2,500. bucks. has got a cool-ass patch on it. It's pretty cool. Looks like something maybe the road crew or somebody would wear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Somebody held on to theirs. You can have it for 2500 bucks. This is crazy right here. 2004 Nike Iron Maiden high tops. $20,000. <laughs> that's insane. There's also Guns N' Roses ones out there that are about the same price. The deal with these shoes is that Nike made them. They made enough for the core group of employees that designed the shoes and the bands themselves. And that's it. Yeah, I guess you're, you're buying them just on scarcity. Yeah. Cause I mean, the odds are you're not going to find anymore. So the guys from iron maiden, did they hold on to them? Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they threw them away. The people that were there working, did they save theirs or did they got so many shoes in their collection that they just ended up getting rid of a bunch at one time and not thinking nothing of it. Not very many left out of a very limited supply to begin with. You can get yourself some Iron Maiden Nikes for $20,000. That's insane. Wouldn't wear them, I guess. Not for that much money. This one I really like a lot because this reminds me of the jewelry that you would get at like fairs and stuff. Remember like the cool pewter necklaces they used to make? Mm Mm-hmm. You could buy them at fairs and flea markets, things like that. This is a Merciful Fate, the eye necklace, and it is cool looking. And I got to imagine you're not going to find a lot of these anymore. You can get your hands on this one for 1200 bucks. Real sterling silver. But it is awesome looking. I mean, I would totally wear that. I'd wear a replica of it. It's badass. You guys got to cool. check that out in the show notes. Found some cool Motley Crue stuff. You got Vince Neil's crew glove. Now, this is the glove that he wore for, like, years. And it's all tore to shit, and you could tell it's been worn to death. But it's the glove from the early days of Motley Crue. $25,000. Says he wore it in the Looks at Kill and Too Young to Fall in Love videos. Yep. That's talking vintage crew right there. I could see that having a price tag of twenty five grand, just because it's such a. He wore it for so long, in the videos, on tour, pictures of him throughout the years wearing it. I mean, it's pretty cool. You can't afford the glove. Maybe what you need is Mick Mars beret from the Doctor Feelgood era. Save <laughs> your, save yourself ten grand. You can get that from the uh, Without You video. Yep. So that thing's pretty legendary too. 
You know, there's the big news recently about uh, Jim Ursay buying Kurt Cobain's busted old guitar. We talked about that on the yep. latest Geek Wire. Did you get outbid on the guitar? You can get the amp. Ten grand. <laughs> that's more than that's a, more of a, closer to a hundred grand. Oh yeah, no, you're right, hundred grand. Yeah. Jesus Christ. This is pretty cool. I would love to have this. It's a Blizzard of Oz tour book autographed by the entire band. That's cool. I just again, that's one of the things like, yeah, it's the autographs great. It's really awesome if it was you getting the autograph, you know, to have the story to go with it. But, you know, you're not going to get Randy Rhodes' autograph no more. And this was autographed at the time. It's that's cool what, looking. Yeah, that's what makes it worth the money is the Randy autograph. Yeah. That's fucking a cool. $10,000. I don't have 10, or 10K to, to spend on it, but that's, it's cool. No, I wonder how many regular Blizzard of Oz tour books are out there. I bet you not too many. Probably not. Those things got torn up and thrown away by people's parents. And, you know, it's just the stuff like that you think, you know, is this really going to be worth something someday? And you don't know. You know, you don't know if it is or not. You know, you hang on to it for 50 years. I don't know. This one jumped out on me because I thought it was pretty damn cool. It's a big old boom box. Autographed up by Pantera and Damage Plan. So the guy had the boombox. He took it and actually, let me read this one because this is pretty cool. Pantera and Damage Plan autographed jam box and photos. Used stick, used guitar pick. All four members of Pantera signed the jam box on New Year's Eve 1990 in Houston, hours before the best show we ever did, according to Philip Anselmo on that metal show. The picks are from the same autograph session, including the full band promo pick. In February of 2004, I drove to Dallas for the Damage Plan Newfound Glory album release at Tower Records on Lemon Avenue. I have all four members sign the jam box. Dime and Vinny signed their respective 1990 picks that day. The drumstick was used by Vinny and the pick by Dime when they performed in Houston in November of 2004. Oh, wow. Dime signed Dimebag Damage because the upcoming was supposed to be called Damage Vision, but after his passing, it was then called Dime Vision. Wow. I love it, man. I think it's badass. It's it's just, you know, it's a big old boombox, and you got the guys from Pantera wrote their names on it. Can't beat it. That's Pretty cool. damn awesome. November 2004, that was like a month before yeah. it happened, right? So some of the wow. last autographs, I guess, you know, but the fact that it's on a boom box, I think really makes it awesome because, I mean, you can buy Pantera autograph stuff all day long on the eBay, but the fact that it's something unique and different than just a album cover, I think that makes it special. That's awesome. Is it making $11,000 special? I don't know. So that's up to the buyer. <laughs> I don't know about that, but... It- it's cool either way. One of my favorite things I found going through this, and it's just a simple, simple thing, and it's one of the more affordable things on the list today. It's a Shotgun Messiah road case. It's just a box, painted yellow, got the wheels on it, probably had their instruments and stuff in it at one time, taking them on tour. Nothing fancy, but it's the real deal. It's a Shotgun Messiah road case, that's 200 cool. bucks. I like that. That's, that's pretty neat. It is pretty cool. I like that a lot. 
And then talking about people that are going to be at Rock and Pot, I found this. It's a 1989 Tough poster, and it's in damn good shape for being from 1989. It says in the description that this was something that the band had paid for themselves to have done before they were ever even signed to Atlantic. Mm. So pretty cool. hundred bucks. Classic Tough poster. That's pretty neat. You know, that's coming from California. Yeah. So we're getting close to the end, so I figure let's wrap it up with some kiss. <laughs> so I put in a couple of individual names in there and <laughs> seen what came up. The next thing you have is like something that caused a bit of a stir on uh, kiss message boards. Yeah, I can imagine. So because it's $90,000, <laughs> but what it is, is supposedly a piece of metal. It looks like a screw with an Allen head on it. And it, supposedly fell off of Paul Stanley's flying rig as he was flying over the crowd. Mm -hmm. Somebody got it and was like, oh my God, a piece of metal from Paul Stanley's flying rig. Now, thankfully, I guess Paul Stanley did not fall into the crowd that night when that piece came off. But I don't know how you'd ever prove that. And even at that, it's just a piece of metal. Is it worth $90,000? No, and the guy selling it like put some kind of weird sob story about his son, and I I don't know like all the details, but he basically got, you know, annihilated online for listing it for ninety thousand dollars. Yeah, and uh, you know, and then like if you look in the in the uh, he's like got got an update on here, and you know, people making fun of me and blah blah blah. I'm sorry, but at the end of the day, it's just a bolt. Yeah, it may have come from a Kiss concert, but it ain't worth ninety thousand dollars, dude. No, I would put it closer to fifty. <laughs> I'd, put it, I'd put it at fifty bucks. Oh, fifty bucks. Okay, that's better. And somebody, yeah, no, not fifty. I thought 000. you meant fifty thousand. Like, no, come on, no, man. no, fifty bucks, like <laughs> five zero point zero zero. <laughs> because then at that, you know, if somebody wants to buy it and say, "Hey, this came off of Paul Stanley's flying rig." Okay, 50 bucks. That's all you get for it. Well, otherwise, it's what, you know, $6 at the Home Depot? Right. Yeah, you go to Home Depot and get one for <laughs> buck 49 and just say it fell off of Paul's. It, it, I found it on the floor at the Kiss concert. <laughs> That's probably where it came from in the first place. It's worth 50 bucks, right? Right. When you think of Gene Simmons, you think, wow, he's probably got some cool stuff out there, right? Ah, it's all guitars. He's just selling guitars. $30,000 will get you the autographed axe bass from the demon himself. Not a lot of cool stuff on there for Gene. Peter Chris, you know, Paul Stanley's always known for his artwork. And, you know, down below the, the piece of metal that they found at the floor of the Kiss concert is a lot of his paintings and things. But for 2900 bucks. You get yourself some Peter Chris artwork. Hmm. It's kind of weird. Have you seen it? Yeah, I'm looking at it now. It's like a Christmas picture, I think. For uh, for an artist, he's a great drummer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not quite getting as much as Paul Stanley for his art. Uh, but this, you know, it's, hand-drawn it's, picture from Peter Chris, not it, great. It's interesting, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't pay $2,800 for it, but okay. No, it's weird. If he'd have drawn like a picture of himself or something, but it's just a weird 
drawing, you know, it probably took them five minutes to draw it. It's got Santa Claus and a Christmas oh. tree and yeah. Well, although Aaron, you, we, you and I both know plenty of Kiss fans out there. It'll probably sell for that that price. Boy, I don't know. I don't know. This one I thought was pretty cool. It's a 1981 handwritten letter from Eric Carr to a fan. Now, we've always heard the stories about how Eric Carr would answer fan mail, would actually take the time to write fans back. You know, it wasn't like today where they just, you know, going to tweet back at you or something. Take the time to write out this long handwritten letter on this awesome red paper and take the time and mail it back to the fan. Man, I love Eric Carr for just being Eric Carr and being so awesome. That's pretty cool. And I, and judging by the signature, it does look like his. And, uh, you know, I have an Eric Carr signature I didn't get from him, but I found at a comic book store of all places. And, uh, it was a napkin that he wrote out to Brad with two D's, um, rock on Eric Carr. And I have it in my scrapbook. I found it at a comic book shop here in Nashville and they were selling it for like ten dollars, but yeah. I could I could tell the signature was legit, and all I can figure is that some guy named Brad with two D's met him at like a Waffle House or something, and, yeah. and and got him to sign a napkin, and it's one of my most prized possessions because I never otherwise would have had the chance to get his autograph. That's really cool, man. Yep, you can get yourself that handwritten letter. It's not to you, but, you know, it, it's a piece of Eric Carr. You know, I think that makes it worth something. Yep. This one here I find a little strange. It is a Bruce Kulick wedding guitar pick. Hmm. Selling for 900 bucks. says, I am offering a very rare kiss, Bruce and Christina, 924.89. This is from Bruce Kulick's Wedding Guitar Pick. This is a genuine pick. I collected these in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Time for someone to it's time for someone else to enjoy. This is not a replica or a reprint. So, hmm. I guess he gave out guitics to the guests of the wedding? No, well, Bruce is a guitar nerd, yeah. so it does totally fit in with his personality. And so this person got a hold of one and selling it for 900 bucks. Woo, that's a lot. It's pretty pricey. You can tell her <laughs> tell everybody you were at Bruce Kulick's wedding. <laughs> right. Yep, Bruce and Christina shared them pancake recipes with me that night. It was great. I got the pick to prove it. <laughs> well, no, it's a different wife actually. <laughs> oh, that was waffles. My mistake. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's got a different wife now that's doing the pancake oh, okay. thing with him. But I mean, maybe Christina was great at pancakes. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. Clearly. <laughs> All right, here's one from back in the day: a 1978 Ace Frehley mail order necklace. This thing screams 70s mail order. Yes, it does. But it is still pretty cool, and I can't imagine they sold a lot of them back then. Because it's just, I don't know, it's just kind of weird and plain. You can get it now for $2,000. Jesus. Now we've got this one. It's the final one. And it's my favorite one. If I had two grand laying around and no one to make me be accountable for it. (laughs) Your wife. (laughs) I would totally, totally get this. This is a Kiss Australian P. 
pillow cushion yes. from 1980. It's got Gene, Paul, Ace, and Eric on it. It's super cool, man. It looks so awesome. Do you know one person that uh, got the Gene Simmons vault got one of these for free? Really? It was one of the gifts that Gene put in, in the vault. Wow. Yeah. It's wow. very hard to find. Yeah. Kiss Australian Pillow Cushion, released 1980 a coin. Licensed by Classic Toys, Adelaide, Australia. One of Eric Carr's first official merchandise pieces. These had several different back colors like orange, blue, brown, and black. This is stated in the last photo. Orange is the very common color. This mm-hmm. appears to be the black version, minor fuzz, fading, nice condition, no tears, no holes. It's good. This thing is it's really cool. badass. I love it. I'd have to have a whole set of them, though. Yeah. No, I, I think you know, this was like the height of Kisteria, as they called it in uh, Australia in 1980. And uh, our friend Julian Gill, who runs Kiss FAQ, is actually writing a book about the 1980 Australia tour. I can't wait to fucking pick it up. Oh, that's going to be amazing. God, what it must have been like to be there. It's that it's one of the more fascinating periods of the band because, you know, they're introducing a new member, but also in Australia, they're like as big as they ever got. So yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of a weird juxtaposition. And for Eric Carr, I mean, imagine being in his shoes. He, he went from being a stove repairman to six months later, he's playing stadiums in Australia. That must've been fucking crazy. Must've been awesome. And you can tell by any videos you see from that time, that dude's smiling through the makeup. You can tell. It's it's fucking awesome. And then to see them, like, I don't know, because you look back at those times now, and it's easy to look back 2020 all these years later, but Kiss wasn't doing so hot in the States. You know, their their fame was already kind of fading at that point. And so it must have been kind of disheartening to them, you know, that, okay, we're going through changes in band members and... You know, the record sales ain't quite what they were just a couple of years ago, and we're coming off the solo albums and this and that. And then they go to Australia, and, boy, everything is just fine here. It's like, oh, we just jumped back in time right back to the beginning of 1978 again, and we're rocking and rolling on top of the world, across the world, on another continent. But, yeah, I love that era of Kiss, especially the footage from Australia to see just how much those fans, because I mean, you got to think about it. Like Australians back then, especially would see stuff going on in other parts of the world. Well, that shit don't come here. Yeah. You know, even you think about it like WWE wrestling or WWF back then, you know, I'm sure they got to watch it on TV, but how often did they really come to Australia? Not very. Yeah. It's pretty hard to get there. So, I mean, when kiss shows up in Australia, it's a, big deal in 1981 or 80 i guess yeah it's uh this actually for this price i know it yeah it's two grand but i bet you they'll end up getting that for it it's damn cool it is damn cool it's probably eh, you know it's yeah it's it's cooler than the shotgun messiah case i guess (laughs) they they had their own cereal in australia really 1980 i did not know that yeah you ever like the you ever see that online like cereal boxes not on ebay not for sale but i mean it's 
I've seen documentation of it. It was called Vita Vita Brit Vita Bits, I think is what it was called. Wow. But yeah, they had their own cereal boxes. Imagine if you were in Australia at that time and had one of those and said, "I'm going to put it away," you know, yeah, and the, save it. What would that sell for now? A lot of the Australian stuff. That's the the very hard stuff to find because the kids that got it they don't want to sell it. So yeah. it's 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 hard to find now. But yeah, every now and then some of this stuff like this pillow here will pop up on eBay. And uh, it, it'll sell. This this will get $2,000. I'm pretty confident. I bet so. It's badass. Yeah. So I hope we were able to help you with your Christmas shopping. Can you afford any of these items? Would you buy it for somebody else? Would you buy it for yourself? Would you buy it for us? <laughs> like, would, you, would you buy it for a Decibel Geek podcast host? <laughs> we, we like everything we've covered today. Yeah, I was going to say, well, there you go. Now you've got our Christmas list. <laughs> We don't ask for much. <laughs> yeah. Just the last autographs the Beatles ever did together. You yeah. Know, it's no big it's deal. only 2.4 million. I'm yeah. sure we have a listener that has that much money in their couch. Oh, yeah. On their couch covered with these awesome kiss pillows. Right. It's pretty fun, man. I always like going on eBay every once in a while and just putting in my favorite band's names and seeing what the most expensive stuff out there is, is because. Usually, it's some pretty cool stuff that you don't get to see every day. Is anybody going to get this stuff for Christmas? Mm, I haven't been that good. I know you haven't either. I don't know who has, but it's fun to go through and look at the stuff, even if you ain't going to buy it. It's fun to internet window browse a little bit. Well, I got to go because I got to buy John Bonham's car in Montana. Yeah. (laughs) I got to go make a payment on your Bon Jovi Christmas present. Oh, please don't. Please don't. (laughs) Oh, warning. If you go look at that in the links, it's creepy as hell. Very. (laughs) All right. Well, this has been a lot of fun. As always, it's good to be back. Thank you guys for being patient with us over Thanksgiving. Lots to be thankful for. We're going to keep on rocking and rolling. We got the rest of the year. We got our big year end episode coming up. We're going to start gearing up for that and getting ready. You're going to see a lot of lists coming out of a lot of people's favorite albums of the year. You know, ours is coming up at the end. So a little bit of time between now and then. We'll have a lot of fun getting there. So once again, this has been the Decibel Geek Podcast brought to you by Pantheon, who are awesome. Go give them a like and follow them and check out some other cool music podcasts that they've got available. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll see you next time. See ya. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who kill their parents. 
the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.